previously on the Simply Human podcast. Yeah, so what is your due date exactly? It's it's April 30th. So I'm just oh. going to say it's in 4 minutes. So Mark, you better hurry up with this question. <laughs> it's it's now. Yeah, it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got to go guys. Sorry. It's episode 76 of the Simply Human podcast with your host Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is former NFL offensive lineman and Dallas native Jordan Black. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with, we don't really know right now, and we'll wrap up with our Simply Imitant. Uh, wait, how are you, Rick? 76 episodes, huh? We're really going to keep doing this, I guess. I think so. And now, right. now it's like we're too, we're cl- close enough to 100. I feel like that's like the goal now. <laughs> it's like just try to get to 100. I have a hard time believing that there have been people that have been hanging on to this train for 76 wild rides going, yeah, I'm going to keep listening. Uh, this thing is not terrible. Yep. Um, but hey, for those of you who enjoy what we do, I feel sorry for you because your life's obviously <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you obviously don't know the difference between good and bad. So right. thank you for, yeah. for not knowing. Thank that. you for, yeah, not ever, whatever, like, switch in your brain never got flipped on or off. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, okay, so leading into a Rick's Cop Corner because those, well, are, those okay. are highly uh, popular. Okay. I was sort of in the middle. Well, I just... I was trying to play a little joke on my wife that <laughs> oh, that's how all good police reports start out. <laughs> this could have gone bad for me. So let me tell you what I did. All so right. I went up to my wife's she teaches at a university and her students, I guess she, I'm sorry, did you say she teaches at university? At a university. Okay, because I was like, she's not Australian. Uh, yeah. At university. Oh, I have to go to university yeah. for a meeting. That's yeah. not an Australian accent, but I think we're all yeah, another joke. Okay, your wife, uh, she's an instructor at university. Correct. So her class, I guess she talks about me a lot. So apparently her <laughs> her class, yeah, like my husband poops his pants. Um, <laughs> so they wanted to like meet me. So I went up there at like noon when her class is. And, and when you walk in, everyone just starts pointing and laughing in your face. Yeah, like, like, oh God, this is so terrible. I told you, I told on this podcast about my four-year-old when I went and picked her up and they all started pointing at me and saying stinky, right? <laughs> let me yes. okay i did okay so it was yes yeah, kind of that one of those deals. i think Except you did was, at least i know that story. at least it was college students uh that were they were doing it not four-year-olds so i have i was cleaning out my car because i'm going on a little bit of a road trip uh starting this this evening and i had taken out my car seats so i get out to the car and i'm, I'm like kind of almost i'm pretty much late to go pick up my kids and i look in the back and i was like dang it i don't have my car seats so then i so i texted her call me real quick i am an idiot Okay, I was, because I was. Um, if you look at her phone, that's been like the exact same text message you've sent her the last fifty straight messages. Call me, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Call me, I'm an idiot. Please, like I, separate days, separate yeah. times. So I this was at uh, like yeah, it doesn't matter what time it was. So call me real quick. I'm an idiot. I was thinking maybe she could just like run out and unlock the truck, and I could get her car seats. Well, okay, so she's got the truck there. Yeah, car seats are in there. You've got your car, but you've left your car seats at home. Right, which is like two miles away. So okay, yeah, she, she doesn't respond in the next, in a couple of minutes. So I just I'm just gonna run home real quick. So and I, so as I'm running home, I wrote, I cleaned my car. A few minutes later, I text, I cleaned my car out for, uh, for my trip and took my car seats out, period. No no response, nothing. You guys have separate car seats? Like, uh, yeah, like you know, I two have, sets well, of all the children's car yeah, seats? Yeah, but like... The, <laughs> well, the, well, no, the five and four-year-olds are... Of all these... They're in like boosters, so they're like $10 booster seats. So so listen, so I go home, I, I get the car seats, I'm, I'm headed back up to 
the school, which is like right across the street from the school. This is all. This all took me like ten minutes to go home and get the car seats and get back up to the school. So I text this. This is where the prank starts. <coughs> Hope can sort of my my four year old can sort of fit without the car seat, and I will just hold Hunter in my lap. <laughs> Send right, thinking that you know because she's gonna and, I, and I've got my phone on with the. Uh, with the ringer on, just in, you know, because when she sees this, I'm thinking she's just gonna like be flipping out. Is that Morse timeout? Yeah. Uh, does your wife know? I mean, surely she knows at this point that she can't take anything you say seriously, right? Well, do you have any shot of pulling this prank off? Yes, I think so. Okay. I think she okay. actually thinks that I would do this. Like, oh, it's a one-time thing. The problem is there's an intersection. I just left him in the car with the windows down while I was at the liquor store exactly. for like five minutes, Jen. Exactly. And the problem is like there's a little stretch of highway in, that we have to go through. That's where I got hit and run over. It's like the most dangerous section of of inner, like of highway. Is that over by that Walmart? Yes. It's right Man, in front that of place it's just, is insane it's a now. Free I saw we were there on our weekend yeah. So a few minutes later, no, no, nothing. I've got the kids at this point. I write. This is uh oh, Mark Rogers. This is like five minutes later. I write. I know what you're gonna say. I write. Omg, got pulled over. This ought to be fun. <laughs> okay, and that's believable. I think. Yes. So no. I response. thought you were gonna text her. Omg. Horrific car crash. No, I wouldn't Twisted do that. metal burning everywhere. There's so much blood. <laughs> All kids are dead. Yeah. <laughs> I would not do that. 11 minutes later, I text, going to jail. That's all I write. <laughs> and then uh, three minutes later, I write, they are taking my phone. They told me to tell you to call. And then this, this number that I don't think she would know when you get this and we can talk about bailing me out and the number is to my office which i have forwarded to my cell phone okay right? so and now Let i'm thinking man stop she's you very yeah. quickly you've done what i call pulling a mark Rodgers, and that is that you've <laughs> taken much. a prank too much and you've taken a prank that's believable dang it and you've just laid on just too much to work okay all right yeah. i'm okay so, so here's not the believable anymore so here's the so here's the deal Which so is, by the way when we did the prank call with your brother jeff <laughs> why well, i had to like insist that you like were on mute yeah because you were gonna ruin it <laughs> like hey let me call jeff beforehand or, and tell him to make sure he answers yeah. his phone because i got a guy that i know is gonna no no no, no. you yeah, just yeah. have to you have to laying too much on this is a sunday and a sunday is best served with like two scoops of ice cream and a banana not right. like Five bananas and a hundred shares. Like no, just simplicity. <laughs> and son. a clown like uh, serves it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So she calls, and she goes, and I, "You're and an I, idiot." And I go, "Hello, this is Officer Money." <laughs> you know. And she was like, "Mark." I was like, "No." I was like, "No, this is, this is Officer Henry or whatever." I said. She was like, "I I know you're joking." Like, because like she she sees all those texts in one shot, so she goes from like, "Call me real quick, I'm an idiot, clean my car out," to da 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 da, bailing me out. She's like, "This is." I'm about to get the chair. Yeah, like what? <laughs> I have five minutes to live before they lethally inject me. <laughs> Call me quick. The old Texas fast track execution <laughs> for, for two counts of unrestrained child and safety. Yeah, seat. yeah. So, okay, so obviously the prank failed miserably. She didn't buy it even for one second. So big surprise. Which leads into the uh, Rick's cop corner. Let's say I had been an idiot dad and did think, oh, this one time I can just just no car seats with a eighteen month old and a four year old, and you <laughs> and you pull that dad over. What what do you do? Two tickets. Like, you take them to jail? No. 
No, that's not like a I mean, so can. egregious. Okay, very quickly, uh, I hate to get like in the state specifics here because no one cares. But like in Texas, you can arrest a police officer can arrest you for anything except for speeding and then transporting an open container in your car. So literally, you can go to jail for anything else. The, but, the lowest level traffic offense is running a stop sign. What if uh, you're What if you're going like a hundred in a school zone? Uh, I'm sure you could probably like look into that and maybe it's say like reckless and danger. And I don't know, like I've never killed no, anything like that. I don't either. work in the daytime, so don't worry about that. But literally if you change lanes without a signal, I could put you in jail for that. Now caveat, most real departments are going to be like, okay, we have to have some sort of check there to make sure that like, you're not uh, taking everybody to the who for, uh, you know, not signaling within a uh, hundred feet of an intersection. Yeah. But, uh, theoretically that is possible. You can take someone to jail for any, uh, any offense except for speeding or transporting an open container. The reason huh. that those two, by the way, are exempted, because guess what uh, legislators love to do? They love to drive real fast, and they like uh. to drink while they're driving, <laughs> and they don't want to go to jail for those things. So that's why they've exempted those two that's things. That's hilarious. They, they do like a poll of between all the legislators, like, and then they do like, okay, what are the top two things that we've all been ar- arrested for, and uh, we'll make those things exempt. That's, and that's probably exactly why they did that. But anyways, uh, so theoretically, the cop could stop you, and he could put you in jail for those two things. One other thing uh, that my wife, a story about my wife, um, is... Uh, She's calling you right now because I hear no, your phone vibrating. No, that's our humans being human person. Who I, oh, okay. I'll, I'll text you in just a minute. So I don't know if you remember in the last episode when I was telling my rooster strut story. And at one point I said, look at me, ladies. And I, when I was editing that, I was editing in that one night at the kitchen table. My computer's up. She was sitting next to me working on her uh, university work. And uh, <laughs> and she like she kind of heard that and she was like, you mean lady, right? And I was like, <laughs> yes, of course, I mean ladies. She's like, why would you say ladies? And it'd be like, what's this big thing? I was like, I didn't mean to say ladies. I, dang it. <laughs> I'm an idiot, Jen. Yeah. Call me real quick. I'm an idiot. I'm, <laughs> that's like, of all, the, you have like uh, text templates in your phone when someone calls you. You just hit a button and pick a template. Call that's me. your template. Call yeah. me, I'm an idiot. Call yeah. me, I'm an idiot. Call me, I'm an idiot. All right, so let's get let's get to Jordan Black. Uh, we and we don't have to get into all this, uh, but we sort of both very loosely knew him when we. This were is a great to- story, by the way. Well, it's not a great story. It's very uninteresting story. But like, I dated a girl uh, in high school who went to the same high school as Jordan, but Jordan was a year older than this girl. Jordan was my age, and so he would already graduated, but. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, her name was Lolly. She played on the basketball team at the school with Jordan's uh, future current uh, girlfriend at that right. time, future now, wife. Right. And so yeah. I've met Jordan a few times. Of yeah. course, he didn't remember me. Yeah. We talked about this after the interview, but it was very, uh, you know, well, hey, he, he up, played man? he played at a, a private school in the Dallas area. And you can and, Google it, pro- Dallas Christian. Dallas Christian. And, if you Google Jordan Black, you'll find out where he was. In so his no in his class, it was him, a guy named Brandon Avance, who ended up mm-hmm. playing football at Louisiana Tech, and a guy named Chu Freeman, Chu Freeman, yeah, who went straight to the major leagues. Um, he played with the Rockies. Rockies system. for I'm not a long sure time. No, he, oh, he did. Yeah, no, he but... played for like two or three seasons in the yeah, right. in the big leagues. So anyway, so yeah, I mean, this is a small private school. Their senior class was probably like I don't know if I'm recalling correctly, probably around thirty or forty people. It was small, small Christian school, but they were stacked up uh, athletically. The girls' basketball team was real good too. That's where my girlfriend played. So uh, really, you know, 
very interesting story. Yeah, we need to tell the story about uh, all of her dogs some, one of these days. But uh, that's another. Oh story. my gosh. Okay, so let's. Uh, Jordan Black, former NFL. He he went to Notre Dame, played four years at Notre Dame, and then played a long time for the Panthers. Actually, the, the Chiefs initially, then the Panthers, the the Texans, and he lives in Houston now. He also played one season in 2012 with the Redskins. So we talked to Jordan about being. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, hold on. SimplyHumanLifestyle.com is the website. Oh, yeah. Like us go. on Facebook. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SimplyHuman52. Go to the website, and there are, I have a new allotment of uh, T-shirts, and I think we're going to do hats. Uh, I've got some prototypes of hats that I might... Uh, prototypes, huh? Yeah, my art. Yeah. <laughs> I created this hat, and we're going to see if it works. You make it sound like you're a, a time machine prototype here. It's a hat. It goes on your head. I, pat- I patented the, uh, the cap idea. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, the, the simplyhumanlifestyle.com slash shop, there's uh, links to the t-shirts. And then um, the nutrients and skinny fat, there are still links. So if you're going to get that stuff, go to the website and click on the links because uh, that puts a little uh, train on the juice. Is that how you say that? And it's not how you say that at all. No. <laughs> Gives a little juice in the We train. get a little taste of that. Uh, and it yeah. helps us with our production costs. Yeah. So um, now let's talk about what we talked to Jordan about. And it is about being tall. High school ignorance, NFL strength and conditioning programming, moving correctly, the deadlift and squat, favorite football moments, which will probably surprise you. Well, at the time I threw a football over the mountains. <laughs> Uncle Rico moments, gaining weight, feeling vulnerable, and enjoying time with your kids. Here's Jordan. Joining us today on the Simple Human Podcast, we have Jordan Black, a former NFL offensive tackle who was drafted by the Chiefs. In the fifth round of the 2003 NFL draft, he played college football at, uh, I don't know, not many people are probably going to know this one. is Notre Dame is uh, kind of a small school up north. And then I went to high school at Dallas Christian High School, where he won a few state championships, had his number retired a few years after uh, he left high school. So Jordan, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Awesome. So, Jordan, if you will just kind of give us your uh, background as as far as uh, how you sort of got to where you are today. I know you have a, a certain philosophy on movement and health and everything, and just sort of you know from high school, where you were very highly recruited uh, high school athlete. Sort of uh, take us through uh, some of your uh, background and, and how you got to where you are today. Well, going back to uh, you know junior high and high school, um, I was always really tall. Um, I'm, I'm six foot six now. Uh, I was the same height at the end of seventh grade. So I thought that I was going to be a seven foot tall basketball player. Um, so football was never really a, a focus for me until I was about a sophomore in high school and I still hadn't grown. Um, I think I got a recruiting letter from Baylor for football and that's really when the, the light kind of went off and, um, I started, you know, gearing what I did more towards football. So from that moment, I guess I was like 215 pounds and I just started, I got in the weight room, started gaining weight and ended up playing my senior year, uh, at over 300 pounds. So as far as, uh, you know, my philosophy, um, concerning movements, weight training, it's really it's something that's evolved over time. Um, in high school, I was very ignorant. had no idea what I was doing. Just went into the weight room and lifted a lot of weights and just tried to add mass. There was nothing that I ever really thought about, uh, you know, that could help me be a better athlete. And then going on to college, I had the opportunity to 
uh, our strength conditioning coach is Mickey Marotti. He is uh, now at Ohio State with Urban Meyer. Um, learned a lot of good things from him. Um, I've been trained by uh, Danny Arnold at Plex down here in Houston. He does a lot of combine prep for NFL guys. And then in the NFL, um, guys like Luke Richardson, who used to be at API. So I've been exposed to a lot of different um, a lot of different philosophies as far as weight training goes. Now, Jordan, where you I went am from, now, from Dallas Christian. Um, oh, go Sorry, Jordan, go ahead. Where you are now. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no go, go ahead, ahead, buddy. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just, I, I was going to say, right. when you went from, when you went from Dallas Christian, it's kind of a smaller school in the Dallas area, to Notre Dame, this giant football powerhouse. You kind of hinted at it that there was quite a, a, a like talk about the learning curve from you know you're at, you're a Dallas Christian and you just kind of do whatever you want in the weight room and there's probably not a lot of like expertise and specialization and then you get to like this massive gigantic football powerhouse uh, and how you know when you showed up the first day where they're like oh my gosh what are you doing like what's the matter with you were they were they like shaking their head at you what how was that. <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously the, the the main big difference is the fact that I no longer had the opportunity to create my own workouts. Um, it was obviously done for us, and basically we just uh, you know went according to the plan that that they gave us. So it took all the thought out of it. Um, what I really noticed was that uh, it seemed like in college that the weight program there was just meant to inflict pain. Um, <laughs> it was incredibly difficult. Um, and that took some getting used to, uh, but that was, that was, that was the big difference. Just, uh, uh, I didn't have anybody in high school trying to literally break me, I guess. Right. So now you were about to say what your like philosophy is now. So how have you evolved to sort of where, wh what is the, what is the mindset now as you're, uh, I, w I wouldn't say an older man because we're this, pretty much the same age, but we're, uh, I guess we're old, aren't we? I've got some gray hairs. <laughs> right. I, I've got a, I've got a few, few of those too. Um, my philosophy now, now that I'm away from the game, you can kind of get a pic a big picture look at, how these programs view their athletes and the athletes are a commodity and there's something that generates uh, a tremendous amount of money for these colleges and for NFL teams. So the powers that be that run these programs, they want to protect their assets, I guess. So, um, a lot of lists that in my opinion are crucial for developing, um, you know, athletic, enhancement or uh, would be things such as like the squat, um, power clean, deadlifting is a big one that, that, that I love. Um, a, a lot of them get away from that because they have an investment that they're looking to protect. So I understand for any uh, trainer, any weight coach, it's incredibly difficult to teach a hundred guys how to do a lift uh, properly right. and, and they just don't want to take a chance at injuring, uh, injuring their athletes. But what I've seen now that I'm away from the game, if, if these techniques are taught to these athletes where they can go into the weight room and do it properly, um, there, there's so much more there for that player as far as what they can do on the field. at the college level. Um, but even more so at the NFL level, 
um, players are uh, commodity or they're something that uh, the powers that be invest heavily in because they generate money for these programs. So uh, they're very tentative to put the players uh, in a situation where there's potential for injury. And they think that exercises such as deadlift, squat, power clean, a lot of your big compound, uh, complex movements, uh, they don't want to do them. They look for uh, other exercises that uh, are, are safer. Um, how that hurts the athletes, I believe that it limits their potential. Um, especially in the NFL, um, I never did deadlift at all when I was in the NFL. Which is um, like crazy to me. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> players... I said that's like crazy to me to to know that like that just seems like such a fundamental like what you're saying and like you never did deadlift in the NFL is just like kind of blows my mind. Right, and I I, I can't think for the life of me why why they don't do it. And, and the only reason I, I think that is because it's just uh, you know it's difficult for you know usually there's a head strength and conditioning coach and maybe two or three assistants. And if you've got in the off season, you know, 90 guys on the roster, um, it's really difficult to teach each individual guy. It, it just takes too much time. So um, I, I don't know how that would be corrected. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it would be too big a deal to to spend time for any in any college or any pro program just taking the first week or two of the offseason, making sure that everybody has a firm grasp on uh, the technique for that lift. And then the team is going to be so much better if they were to implement some of those, some of those big lifts in their, uh, in their programs. Now, I know- so if you, weren't, if you weren't doing squats, deadlifts, stuff like power cleans, what kind of lifts were you doing? Because that's literally if you had to pick my brain and be like, hey, what kind of lifts do you think an offensive lineman would do? That would be it. Like, what else would you do? Well, in, in, in all honesty, what we did to replace those was pretty much just nonsense. Um, in, in college, uh, the favorite was the hammer strength leg press. Um, I mean, it's not a bad machine, but when you compare that to uh, a parallel squat, I mean, there's there's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, you can't really compare that to a deadlift either, because when you're doing a leg press, you're not... Uh, put any pressure on your back. You're not strengthening your back. Um, so really, you know, if it wasn't leg press, we might do some lunges or might do some single leg squats. That's not bad, but without the squat, you're really missing out on on how strong an athlete can can get. Now, to me, like the squat is sort of like a squat and a deadlift, and really, the, the, and the difference between those two positions is just where the where the weight is carried. It's basically, it should look very similar as far as like your, your core and your legs and your, where your shoulders and spine and head and all that line up. But it's like all, all little kids. And I know Jordan, you have little kids. So you, I mean, as we all do, like they all have like almost just perfect natural movement positions. And we put them in desks when they go to first grade, right. then they start to lose those positions. And then they, they learn these, these wrong ways to do things. Now, like I work with some adults who they don't want to spend it, it might take two months for me to just say, all right, we're not going to lift any weights. You're not going to do anything other than open your, your tissues back up and, and 
learn how to move properly, then we can actually start affecting some change. People don't want to do that. People don't want to, is, is that, right. is that what you've seen? I know you, and, and we haven't talked about this yet, but you own a, a snap fitness in Missouri city, which is down in one of the suburbs of Houston and you work with athletes and sort of the lay people. Uh, so do you see, uh-huh. do you see some of those problems? Like people just not wanting to, to learn how to move correctly and either they just do it wrong or they're just like, oh, I'll just do the treadmill for an hour. Well, I, I tell you what, especially my clients that are older that, that aren't athletes, um, I would say 90% of them tell me about the back problems that they have. And as soon as they hear me say, well, we need to start deadlifting, <laughs> their response is, well, didn't you hear that I have a back problem? And I was like, I know you have a back problem. That's how we're going to do deadlifts. And they just look at me with this, with this crazy look in their eye like right. like what are you talking about crazy and just stick with me and you'll see yeah so what i've seen I, i've got two clients right now that are over the age of 60 both have had uh, back issues and literally within two to three weeks into the program of doing a proper deadlift their their back system their back symptoms are, are alleviated right so what we've done is take you know, the glutes, uh, basically everything in the posterior chain that uh, has become weakened and be basically balanced uh, their lower body out so the back rests on a stable platform. And literally one guy is, is just raving to me about the deadlifts, about how, how much better he feels, how much better his golf game has gotten. And that's uh, just one of the small benefits of, yeah. <laughs> of deadlifting. Well, and to me, like deadlifting is sort of like what other position, I guess the squat, like when you sit down or something, but you're not going to like a deep squat in the in the current, you know, chair environment that everybody has. It's always kind of like that you sort of fall into a chair, but like a deadlift is sort of like you have an opportunity to deadlift all throughout the day, all the time. When you pick up your kids, when you pick anything up off the ground, you should sort of like be in that deadlift yeah. stance instead of just like, you know, bending at your thoracic and lumbar spine and just bending over awkwardly right. and picking stuff up. And I think the misconception on why, like, ah, oh, squats are bad for your knees and deadlift is bad for your back. Well, sure they are. If you're not, if you're doing them incorrectly, like if you do a pull up and like slam right. your face into the bar, like, yeah, pull ups are bad for your face. Well, don't put your face into the bar, idiot. Like, so, like, how, yeah, like, right. it's hard to like to change those misconceptions. And there's the same misconceptions like with nutrition stuff and with with sleep stuff. And so it's kind of like, yeah, how do we combat that misconception that that being in a, a below parallel squat is actually a very stable and and strong knee position. It's like it's like saying that you're not supposed to go below like 90 degrees when you're doing a push up because that's a bad bad position for your elbows. Well, your elbows, your knees are designed to go below parallel and to say that that's that's an right. unsafe position is just is just crazy so but it is amazing in a parallel squat you know you see people in the gym all the time that that go just above parallel and then back up and you know what i tell my guys is it's the parallel and just right below parallel that's where that's where the, the buried treasure is as right. far as athleticism you know that's where we want to go that's where we want to develop strength in order to attain that next level of uh, strength and, and athleticism. And, you know, to touch on something that you said earlier, kids, you know, young kids can go deadlift something and have, you know, perfect technique when you do it. I agree with you 100%. What I have noticed, though, about, especially with uh, young kids in this generation, because we know that for the most part, uh, they typically are, are pretty sedentary um, 
you know, they go to school, they sit, um, they come home, they sit, they play video games. So not much time, they don't spend much time walking around and playing and running and all that stuff. I've noticed that their hamstrings are so incredibly tight. Well, what I've noticed is that because of those tight hamstrings, it causes when they do deadlift for the first time, they go to bend uh, in their thoracic vertebrae as opposed to having the, the pelvic rotation right. that they need to do a proper deadlift. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, I can see how, um, you know, these younger kids in high school, uh, I can see the, the risk there if they were just to go right up into a deadlifting uh exercise considering the way that they live their life. I don't know the tight hamstrings and you know, it might it might cause some injury there, but you know, still a good trainer um would recognize that they've got uh, hamstring tightness and that would need to be worked out prior to doing any uh deadlifting exercises, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's kinda like, you know, this will never happen in education or or any other domain, but it's like if, if the most qualified coaches were like our elementary school coaches, if we, if we put all those guys that actually knew what they were doing in like kindergarten and like first, second grade, I feel like, you know, you would have these just great movement patterns in the majority of people like down the line. Whereas like, of course, you know, the PE teachers and, and God bless them, you know, they're, they're doing, they're doing all they can, but they're not in a position to, to, you know, they're just trying to like make sure their the kids in their class don't die, you know, and kill each other. And they're, the last thing they're thinking about is like, oh, you need to correct your valgus knee here, and your uh, your sacrum is bending when it shouldn't be. Um, so that would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to ask you a few things about the uh, about the NFL. I know it's always a it's always a treat to talk to someone who played for for so many years. So, like, what is your like? If you had to pick, this is my favorite moment. In a, from a, from a game, whether it was something that you were involved with or something that you saw, like with your own eyes, like do you have have you ever thought about that? Favorite moment, man. I, <laughs> I tend to break them down. Uh, you know, I've got the, my greatest high school moment. I've got my greatest college moment. And I've got my greatest NFL moment. Because believe it or not, I think my uh, it's all relative. So I think. You know, my greatest high school moment is probably the memory that I have highest, you know, above all else. Really? But in the, in the NFL, um, when I played for Kansas City, we had a um, big rivalry with, with Oakland, and we didn't like each other very much. And I think we had beat them about seven straight times, and um, we were playing them at home, and they went up by. I think they were they were up by a touchdown. So with like five seconds left in the game, we score a touchdown, and we have the opportunity to kick a field goal for a tie, or not a field goal, an extra point for a tie going into going to overtime. And I remember Dick uh, Vermeil, who was who was our coach at the time. I think he's a great man. I thoroughly enjoyed playing with him, but uh, without hesitation, Vermeil held back the extra point team and sent out the offense. And we just pounded it in for a two-point conversion with no time on the clock to win the game. That was one of the, one of the things that uh, 
I really remember enjoying um, and, and something that I took a lot of pride in. Cool. Well, what was your what was your favorite high school moment? I have to ask. If this is your favorite overall football moment, was it a state championship? Well, no, it wasn't a state championship. It was my uh, my sophomore year of high school. Um, there was there's another school close to us, Bishop Lynch, and uh, my sophomore year, we were coming off the previous year. They beat a sixty nine to Fourteen the previous year just annihilated them. And that next year they had the number one recruit in the nation. His name was Robert Williams, and he was a stud athlete. And they had a host of other guys that went Division One. We were clearly overmatched, but it was just one of those nights where you know everybody on the team came out to play. Everybody had. Uh, the same goal, the same intensity, and we just played as hard as we could whenever we won the game, uh, 13 to 10. And, uh, you know, that, that memory for me is, you know, the, the pinnacle of my football career. That's funny it that it was like one of the first, like, seasons, you know, like, you, you're, you're 15 years old, like, and that was the your favorite moment. That's pretty interesting and, and kind of cool. <laughs> well, it's pure. In high school, yeah. football is pure. It's about playing, and you play because you enjoy it. Um, once you get to college, you start seeing, uh, you know, how you're being essentially used to right. generate money, and you can see the business side of it. And then once you get to the pro level, it's literally like bringing your briefcase to work. You know, every time I would say, "Oh, I got to work," you know, if I said that in passing to someone, they kind of snicker at me like because that'll work you play football yeah I'm like okay you have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> but now, one, of, one of the one of the, one of the things i want to talk about jordan uh while we've got you here is i am fascinated with nutrition as it relates to football players that could not have been easy you talked about earlier how you basically put on like 75 pounds in two years in high school to play at 300 your mm-hmm. senior year and we mm-hmm. talked a few months ago to a guy, John Wellborn, who was an NFL uh, lineman for a long time, uh, and how he – and I think we – Mark and I have spent a lot of time around some other athletes. And some guys are just naturally gifted to where, like, they would subsist on McDonald's chicken nuggets and fries and then be 2% yeah. body fat and run four 340s. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, how difficult was it for you – to keep that mass on your body? Because I don't think human bodies are really meant to be 6'6", 6'7", 320 pounds. And secondly, as your career progressed, tell me how your idea about nutrition progressed. Because I'm sure in high school, you were probably like every other high school kid, and that's you know hamburgers, french fries, pizza. Not exactly, probably a whole food diet. Yeah, um... In all honesty, in high school, my diet was garbage. But the younger you are, <laughs> you can afford you can afford to uh, make those mistakes. And even in the college, you can you can still get away with it. But there was no diet plan um, in college. There was no diet plan in high school except for eat as much as possible and get as big as possible. So I, I remember there was a certain weight that I needed to be at at Notre Dame. I think. At one point, I was like 305, and they're like, you need to be 315. And I was like, well, what do I do? I remember literally they would send me home with cases of, they don't make them anymore, but it was called Gator Pro Protein Shakes. 
And uh, wow, so they're doing this I over ten. They're doing this over ten pounds, which really doesn't like in the grand scheme of things, somebody that large. It doesn't seem like that's that much. It, it, it doesn't, but uh, you know, they get real, real picky with numbers. And you know, I would ask, well, what do I need to eat? And, I remember our strength coach saying, I don't care what you eat. I don't care if you eat french fries all day. You just got to get to that weight. And I was like, all right. So that was basically the diet plan for me in college. I did always struggle keeping the weight on, uh, especially uh, at the pro level, because it's, it's just so, more dema- so much more demanding. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot more energy expenditure, a lot more calories being burned. Um, so it's hard to keep up. Um, now, still, while I was in Kansas City, it was just about eating as much as I could to keep the weight on. Because if I didn't, I would just, you know, start dropping. It wasn't until I got to Jacksonville, um, a guy named Luke Richardson that I mentioned previously. I think he was... Uh, he followed Jack Del Rio to Denver. He was the street coach in Denver. And now I think he's gone to Oakland as well. But uh, his wife was a nutritionist, and they basically transformed the way that I, I thought about food. Um, everything switched from eat what you can to eat clean. Everything was organic. Everything was, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have dairy. In, in the cafeteria. So, um, that was a good thing for me, but at the same time, it was, it was incredibly challenging because you had to eat so much more. If you're going to eat clean, you got to eat nonstop. So that was a challenge, but at the same time, it really made a difference in body composition and made a difference in, uh, how I felt, uh, physically and mentally. I just, I, I felt better. Um, and those are some things that I've I've taken with me up till today. And um, you mentioned earlier about my body uh, it not being natural just to support that much weight. I, I agree with you 100%. As a matter of fact, when my last year in Jacksonville, it was kind of like when I just hit the wall. My body basically was like, uh, started rejecting the weight. And I couldn't keep it on anymore. Um so I went from, you know, being well over 300 pounds to, in the course of a year, dropping down to, like, 260. So I wow. don't know exactly what was going on, what was going on uh, inside of me, but it was literally like my body was just like, I'm tired of this, and couldn't put weight on. Well, Jordan, I'm gonna I'm gonna retell a story that you told me that I think is just hilarious, and kind of gives the the every man like just the average person's like a perspective into what it's like being an, an NFL offensive lineman so you, you spend a majority of your adult life over 300 pounds you're always there like unless you're at like an NFL like at practice or at some sort of NFL event you are the by far the biggest person and the strongest person within like a 20 mile radius and and you said like you dropped down like 260 you maybe even gotten lower than that and you said you said you started feeling like vulnerable like someone was going to come up and just like beat you up because you were so <laughs> <laughs> Which and you're yeah, still and you're yeah. still the biggest guy like in the, in the room. <laughs> yeah, I, there was one day that I got on the scale, and at one point I was just like hardcore trying to lean up. Now that I was lighter, and 
I got on the scale and it said 259. And I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel. It was like all these emotions were going through my head. Um, I'm so sickly and tiny. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I can only, I can only bench 400 pounds. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We laugh about this right now with you, but like, uh, Mark has, you know, Mark can tell stories of when he was hardcore in endurance sports. He's doing Ironmans and marathons and stuff like that. And eventually he wasn't, you know, listening to his body very well. And eventually his body just completely shut down. Your body can only handle Mm -hmm. so much pressure. It's not like, you know, at some point it's just, all right, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. My body has decided, all right, you've put me through my paces and... I'm going to reject uh, your 350-pound requirement. I'm going to reject, you know, running, you know, 200 miles a week. I'm going to reject all this stuff because I need to go back to being a human body that's designed biologically to exist for a long period of time, not to exist for 30 years and crap out. Yeah, I I couldn't put it better. Um, That's exactly what happened to me. Um, I don't know if there's a a term for what happened, but it definitely a complete rejection of what I had been for, for so many years prior to that point. Well, Jordan, uh, we're, we're coming up on time and, uh, I just, I feel like there's so much more that we could talk about, but, um, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you the one question that we ask all new guests on the show. And that is this, it is what, what is something that you enjoy about life or one thing you do to make life more enjoyable? And it doesn't have to have anything to do with anything we just talked about. And um, my kids is a joy in my life. Um, my my wife as well. Um, I know a lot of people have a tendency to send their kids up to school, say goodbye, and and don't spend a lot of time with them. But uh, man, I, I cherish the time that I spend with my kids. I try to have the long view with them that that one day they'll be gone. So I want to be with them as much as possible. And um, you know, I think that's one of the the keys to being happy. I mean, have a relationship with God and have a relationship with your wife and kids. Um, at the end of the day, you're going to be a very happy man if you've done those two things. Yeah. Awesome. Great answer. All right. Well, uh, hang out for just a second. I'm going to stop the recording. Uh, but, uh, thank you for being on the show and, uh, and I will let you know when this goes up. All right. Good deal. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, it's always good. It's our second former NFL player we've had on the show. So we're like. And know. the second time Mark has been like, <laughs> you know, I play football too. You know, you know, I was pretty, you know, I was a good football guy. You we, know, we, I know we, how to snap the ball and know, know where the hash marks are. I know what a pigskin is. What? <laughs> uh, Spider 2 Y Banana was my favorite play. You know, favorite two Spider Banana. That's not even a play, stupid. It's um, making fun of John Gruden when he does those like quarterback camp things yeah. on ESPN. Yeah, never mind. Um, I don't have a cable, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Nerd alert. Just kidding. Um, okay, so thanks, Jordan. And now coming up on the Humans Being Human segment, my uh, brother, Jeff, who's been on the show a few times, his uh, one of his best friends is a guy named Wade. And uh, they are actually camping uh, at the time of this recording. And so we use Jeff's phone to Skype Wade, and he tells us a story about being chased. Here's Wade. Hello. Wade Griffith? Yes, this is him. Lake Highlands Wildcat? No. No? Try again. <laughs> he lives in Lake Highlands, right? I, I, I currently live there, yeah, but see. I went to school in Palestine. 
in the famous Palestine, Texas. Uh, Rick, Rick who is from Palestine, Texas? Uh, in, uh, Adrian, Adrian Peterson? Peterson. Correct. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so uh, Rick, yeah. oh, sorry, Wade, Rick, Rick, Wade. <laughs> nice to meet you, Wade. Hi, Rick. So, nice so, Rick, Wade has been like hunting with Adrian Peterson, or there's some picture of you with guns. Is that is that true? Um, no, I've, I've never <laughs> met Adrian Peterson in my life. Man, Mark, you're really on the point. <laughs> Wade, <laughs> Wade is my best friend. What kind of fact sheet do you have on me? It's Why don't wrong. you just like introduce you have, as an you've gotten everything wrong so far? It's a, it's hey, a, Rick, you may have called the wrong person. <laughs> Hey, Rick, this is my buddy Wade. Uh, he was the third man to walk on the moon. Oh, no, no, no. I've never been on the moon. I'm not an astronaut. I, uh, I'm not, yeah, that's not what I do at all. So Wade is a... Very... Oh, I'm sorry. I should have called my other friend Wade. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, wrong guy. Wrong, wrong Wade. <laughs> Um, yeah. So Wade is uh, initially a friend of my brother Jeff's. So Wade, um, wow. had you talked to Jeff about a possible story you could tell us? Because we have no idea what you're going to talk to us about. Yeah, and what you just want some just a random story? Yeah, like one of you, one of your go tos, like when you're at a dinner party and it's just it's mm-hmm. just it's just falling flat. Everything is just dead, and you think to yourself, "I need to save this party." And you tell what, this what story. What can I do to really liven up this party? Right. Oh, there's that story. Yes. Okay. Just pull yeah. your pants down. By the way, if you tell that to Mark, Mark's story is, well, at a dinner party that was falling real flat, I decided to try to save it. So I took a dump on the table, and everyone like uh, t- told me to leave. It was really crazy. And then everybody went, yeah, the first time I, or one of the first times I ever went to Mark's house, he just walked out in the garage and didn't have any pants on. That's a true story. <laughs> like, that's the story. That's it, the end. And then that's been sort of a theme with us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then Jeff kept apologizing to me, just saying, I'm sorry. That's just how my family is. <laughs> right. That is actually, like, uh, and, that is very, very what? true. The, the, uh, a, man with no pants, a man with no pants is on the Rogers family crest. <laughs> just a man yeah. standing there with his arms on his hips with no pants on. <laughs> He just likes showing his junk off to new people he meets. He gets nervous, and that's what he does. The other, the other family crest from even farther back are is a pair of clean underwear with poop stains. Yeah, it's not clean for long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, what you got for us, Wade? Um, well, I, okay, so I grew up in I grew up in Palestine, Texas, which is East Texas near Tyler, and. Um, so you're, we're out in the country and uh, bored as teenagers. So. Uh, one story that I have is that uh, a good country story is that I'm riding around with all my friends. Uh, we're going somewhere. Does it involve a goat? Um, a what? A cat? A goat? Yes, but I'll get there. Oh, jeez. Um, the goat comes <laughs> good guess, to, by the way. A little bit. <laughs> no, so we were going to some kind of function. I can't remember, but we were all we were all somewhat dressed up. I had on uh, khakis and, and a white shirt, and I, I was dressed kind of nice. And our car broke down on the side of, of the highway, and we're kind of on a country road there. So um, we got out of the car, and uh, two of us said saw a house just a little bit up the hill there, and we thought, we'll, we'll just go there and ask if we can use their phone. So uh, we, we walked to the house, and by the time we got up to it, uh, there was like a, a Harley-looking dude sitting on his uh, Harley. And this, this is, is out, this is out in Harley-looking like, dude. And this is in the middle of and nowhere, he, you know, right? Right, middle of nowhere. We're on a right country road. Uh, and, and he's sitting on his bike and everything, and he's got some girl, a Harley girl uh, is what I like to call her, right Talks next lower. to him. And uh, right about that time, right as I'm, I'm about to ask him if I can use his phone, uh, two dogs come around the side of his uh, trailer slash house. Oh, jeez. 
and <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's like a big Rottweiler oh my and, and a pit bull. No. And um, so me, I like to break the ice, you know, like if I'm telling the story at a, at a party, and I say, uh, ha, 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 uh, do they bike? <laughs> and he said, he said, yeah, I'd run like hell. And uh, oh so we really goodness. didn't get to know each other at all, <laughs> the Harley guy or the Harley girl. Um, and I just became filled with fear and, and, and started running. And, and my buddy took off running, too. But my buddy was smart, and he ran back up the hill towards the car. And I took off towards the middle of nowhere, um, just out of pure fear, in, in, towards the woods. And... Um, so the, the the big Rottweiler went after my buddy, oh and the pit bull went after me. And um, the Rottweiler was was bigger and fatter. And so I, about halfway up the hill, he decided he didn't want to kill my friend and, and stopped. But the pit bull, oh. they're more determined to kill, and and so he he, he kept after me. And um, in oh my, my nice gosh. So you're, it's, like a, tacky, it's like a horror movie. Like you just like keep looking behind you. I wanted to tell y'all something that maybe would keep you up tonight. Oh. Um, yeah, so in my khakis and in my white nice shirt and in my dress shoes, I'm running and I have to. There, it had been raining, so um, I started running across this to kind of a field, and I got to like a barbed wire fence. And I have no athletic skills whatsoever. I was I sat the bench in every major sport in high school, but I let this barbed wire fence in a single bound. I did a, a like, flip. Like Bruce Jenner? Like Bruce, the old yeah. Bruce Jenner? Yeah. It's like when, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. w- w- amazing feats of strength when adrenaline's pumping through you, like a guy can lift an entire car off like a human being, like that's what you channel oh, yeah. for one second. Yeah. It was the most amazing athletic thing. I think if more sports <laughs> involved being chased by a man-eating dog, people... I think maybe that's how Adrian Peterson trained. I don't know. (laughs) Motorcycle man let his dog loose on him, and he just jumped over fences. (laughs) Yes. So this was part of my training and the most athletic thing that I would never recorded. I wish it would have been because people would play this on YouTube. I'd have millions (laughs) of followers. Anyway, so I let this in a single bound, and I thought, oh, good. I've gotten away from this dog. There's no way he can get it through a barbed wire fence, which is stupid because he easily just slid under it real fast and it kept coming after me. <laughs> so I'm running across like a flat field that has about uh, probably like five inches of rainwater in the bottom uh, of it. So I'm like, I'm, I, yeah, this is a really good exercise technique because I'm high, I'm doing high knees like all the way across this field as fast as I can. And this is the only thing that I think, thinking back on this whole thing, that saved my life because the dog had to kind of tread higher water than I did running through this field. So he's kind of doing like, you know, a dog type cut swimming in a pond type thing where, and I'm doing high knees across <laughs> this whole thing. And this whole time I have such good friends that they're all on top of the car. All four of them or three of them are on top of this car that broke down laughing. Oh, <laughs> as, I'm about, as I'm about to be slaughtered. Yeah. So great friends. We don't, none of us speak to each other anymore, <laughs> but it's not just because of that. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> it, and, it involved a one-man so, tent later that night. Yeah, so this is where the, the story gets, gets interesting. Is uh, Palestine has two major prisons there because it's, it's a really high-class town. Uh, the, yeah, a lot of wealthy people live there, or people that are incarcerated. And so they, they're called like Beto 1 and Beto 2, and then there's another, there's a third one where like really bad people go. 
And uh, so I guess some of the good prisoners, though, get to go out and do, you know, community service. So nearby or right across the street while this is happening, uh, there's there's prisoners working on um, a cemetery. They're digging graves or, or, or not maybe digging graves. Digging up graves. And making it look better. Mowing, whatever. Oh, okay. I don't know what they do, but they, they were making it look better. And they're wearing khakis and a white and white shirt. So the, there's two there's two guys sitting on a pickup truck, a police pickup truck, uh, just you know talking about whatever. And they're looking out across the field, and they see me doing the high knees across the field, being chased by a dog. An escaped, an escaped convict, yeah, running escaped back. Escaped convict, there he is. He's got on the exact same clothing. Let's <laughs> let's go get him. So all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see this pickup truck just flooring it towards me, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, thank God, here comes like the rescue. And they pull up beside me like super fast to a, like a point of being scared, like, hey, buddy, you know. It saved me, but don't run me over at the same time. <laughs> the truck and just then, runs you over and just keeps going, and the dog just yeah, feasting on they your just dead ran me over. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, exactly. So one of the guys in the passenger seat looks at me, he makes eye contact with me uh, you know, for a second, and then he yells, hey, jump in the back. And so I jump in the back of the truck. Man. Another and, um, genius athletic move, by the way. This is like your highlight. I know. I, like a- <laughs> This is yeah. This is the most athletic thing I ever did in my whole life, all in one day. As I was gonna say, oh, like, uh, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, no, I've done nothing since. But I think if I could get a pit bull involved in my life again, <laughs> that, that things would happen could, for me. If you could get an NFL team to release a ravenous pit bull on the field, you'd be the greatest yeah. football player Super that ever champions. lived. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, definitely, definitely. But the story's not over. Okay. There's one more twist. So you're in the back of a truck. The dog. The craziest story ever. Okay. And that is that we, we, we get back around and back up to where my friends are and everything, and they let me out of the truck, and the two uh, guards get out or whatever. And the one guard is, I instantly recognize him. He's a, a friend that I used to play video games with that <laughs> lived right up the street from me, and now he's a prison guard. Oh, my God. And um, he said, man. We were coming up on you, and we didn't know what to do. And my buddy who was driving said, just open the door and knock him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that seems like a viable solution. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, the dog would be on him, and then This guy that's we'll going to get hit by the dog, let's kill him. Let's kill him and so <laughs> let's, kill, let's kill this guy. <laughs> you know, well, they get frustrated working in the prisons, and if there's an opportunity to maybe kill someone, yeah. you know, you do it. Oh, my God. <sighs> Take your chance on a runaway. You know he's supposed to be planting flowers, and here I am, hiding across a field from a pit bull. What and, am I doing? And you are just a complete so, mess at this point, right? I mean, you're just. Oh you're, yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to the dance or whatever it was that we were <laughs> going to. I'm I'm covered in mud, head to toe, you know. Uh, and and anyway, and so we all we all get a good laugh out of that or whatever. Dude goes, but I've made eye contact with you, and I noticed, oh, this is Wade. <laughs> who plays Nintendo with me from down the street, I can't kill him. <laughs> His parents would I can't would knock him down and let the pit bull go. And then that's when he told me to get in the back. Oh. I, don't think, I don't think my childhood Nintendo friend is doing a 20-year a stretch for murder. Yeah. I don't think. I would have heard about that in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. I would have noticed him. I would have recognized him when we when we invited him out on the field trip. Well, but, um, that is crazy. So anyway, 
that really happened. How lucky, and though, that the truck was there. Yeah, that's just a small, small, small bit of my childhood and who I am. Well, that and, might, and where I come from. I think I've told this story in the podcast early on. If I have, forgive me. But there was one time that I was running like north in this the country up here, north of Abilene, and it was before the sun came up. And there was this German shepherd that used to come out and just kind of you know sniff at me. Uh, and I never did, you know, he would never came at me. And like, I don't know, just one of these one time he just came out and he was more agitated than normal. And he lashed out Bad at me mood. and he got he bit at me. And it I was wearing these like those compression socks like up to my knee. And yeah. all I know in the I'm screaming the S word and, and like cursing and scared for my life. This huge German shepherd is like is is on me. And all, you were screaming, Shepherd! 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 Sh- shepherd! Shepherd! <laughs> I just like that was his name. <laughs> Shawshank, please. It's like, it's, it's just, it's sh- shyster. And like, so I, I got away from him and he stopped chasing me. And like, my that compression sock was down around my ankle. Well, I just lifted it up and just, I mean, all I could do is run home. Because, uh, yeah. you know, I was like seven miles from the house. Well, I got home and there was not a scratch on my leg, but there were two like fang holes in my sock. So he got his fang, like, it was such a close call that he like ripped my in sock. The sock down and is a super tight sock. So you're saying compression socks saved your life. Yes. Save my calf, I guess, maybe. So anyway, dogs think, are crazy. I think that you could be a possible spokesperson for compression socks <laughs> yeah. that story alone. Being attacked by German shepherds, you need compression socks. Shepherd compression socks. <laughs> they saved my life. <laughs> or at least my calf. Get him all supplies okay. last. <laughs> or at least my cat. Yeah. All right. Well, Wade, thank you for telling okay. us. That's a good story uh, of you Thanks, being man. almost killed by a pit bull. Yeah. And, uh, and ha- I have a very, and I'm a very close relationship with Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've never met. Um, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah. When ha- I think of the story to tell. Have fun with my brother camping. I was going to try to maybe meet y'all out there, but it just logistically was impossible. So. Oh, uh, but we're so close to you. I know it's like seven hours. Um, so enjoy. And we only stay in one night. All right, Wade. Well, I appreciate it. Y'all okay. have fun. Thanks, guys. I right, see you. See you, buddy. Thank you, Wade. And um, I'm sorry if I said this because time travel talk. But if if we ever did invite anyone to the brothers camping trip, my brothers and I camping trip, I think you would be on that short list of people that would could possibly be invited to something That's like that. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Wade is definitely on the short list of. Uh, does your brother Brad listen to the show? Uh, no, but he, he we need to have him on. He has some really funny stories. Um, he's just his schedule is just so weird that it's like it never works out. We're going to have Brad on, um, who is like uh, the strongest man on earth. Uh, so let's see. So yeah. So thank you, Wade, uh, for your story. I I hope it was good. Uh, We're just gonna go out on a limb and say that it's good, and if it's yeah. not good, then like, ah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. You can. Uh, well. Sorry, you're not invited to the brothers camping trip yeah. anymore. <laughs> so okay, so now it's time for the simple tip of the week. Something you start doing today to become a more healthy human. And this is another one of those guys. I, I'm 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 pulling these from the philosopher's notes. That uh, is it, Brian <laughs> Brian Johnson. <laughs> Google <laughs> Google Brian Johnson, and you'll find all this stuff. Uh, so this is a quote. A lot of y'all probably heard of uh, an author. Her name is Brene Brown. I had actually heard of her before uh, Brian started sort of referencing her stuff. Um, she wrote a book called The Gifts of Imperfection. And I'm just going to read this uh, quote, and this will sort of lead into our tip of the week. So it says, Practicing courage, compassion, and connection in our daily lives is how we cultivate worthiness. The key word is practice. Mary Daly, a theologian, writes, Courage is like 
um, it's a habitus of virtue. You get it by courageous acts. It's like you learn to swim by swimming. You learn courage by couraging. And, okay, so it's, in, in, it's a fake word, but the same is true for <laughs> compassion. The same is true for compassion and connection. We invite compassion into our lives when we act compassionately towards ourselves and others, and we feel connected in our lives when we reach out and connect. So the simple tip of the week is sort of like practice. You know, like you learn courage by couraging. If you want to be a compassionate person, you need to show compassion. If you want to feel connected to people, like I know people that like, for instance, uh, at, at church or something, whether or not you go to a church or any sort of social sort of bonding uh, group, it's like people will kind of get their, their feelings hurt. if they, they just go and they sit in the back and they get mad if no one comes up to them and like introduces themselves. Well, if you want to feel connection, you need to practice connection, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that it is. That's tip of the week. So it's just uh, how can we put that in a succinct little? I don't know. There is a way to succinctly put it, but yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big, you know, that makes me sound like I'm very tooting my own horn. Like <laughs> I'm big into human compassion, and I'm also very humble. But like, uh, you know, we all, I see this every day. We all are at different stages of our lives. We're all at different levels on the socioeconomic ladder. We all have different. Uh, challenges and, and different victories. And I think what's a really important uh, thing that I try to remember is trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and trying to be compassionate to, hey, you know what, maybe this is what it looks like on the outside for this person, but maybe that's not exactly, I don't know. That's something that I try to to remember with my interactions with other people is to you know, try to put myself in somebody else's shoes, trying to be compassionate. And I think the only way you can do that is to continue to I, I understand the point, you know, to, yeah. you have to outwardly intentionally try to be compassionate to understand that, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. So I'm telling you those, uh, philosopher's notes are, uh, they're gold. I tell you they're gold. Um, all right. So I guess we'll start to wrap it up. Find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. I believe coming up on the simply human podcast is the, you remember? Uh, listener question. Yes, is it is. The, okay. Yeah, by the way, the very quickly, question. the email that we got about Diet Coke from uh, from uh, yes. our last T-shirt winner. Uh huh. We need to talk about that yes. big time in this right. because that's a struggle that regular old humans have every day. Yeah, that's so, a good point. I'll put that on our deal, and so we've got we. It'll probably go long. We have a lot of questions that we're going to answer. That's what she said. Rick, I can't believe you're so. Um, <laughs> all right, so I already mentioned the website. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, Instagram or uh, nutrients and skinny fat, all that's there. T-shirts. Uh, thank you for listening. We we uh, really appreciate you making us part of your day. I know there are a lot of options out there, uh, so y'all appreciate the support and like us on Facebook for a chance to win a free T-shirt. We have whoa, whoa, like us on Facebook to win. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What's the new contest that? that you're doing? Sorry, I was like. You Why can, not run it past the board of directors? You, you, you can multitask. Uh, <laughs> and that is true because I was like reading something. So uh, leave a review on iTunes for a chance to win a t-shirt in the Simple Human April edition of the T-shirt giveaway time. Uh, so that is going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Life. Yeah, well. Here we go. <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember, me, I like to break the ice, you know, like if I'm telling the story at a, at a party, and I say, uh, ha, 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 uh, do they bike? <laughs> and he said, he said, yeah, I'd run like hell. So until next time, enjoy yourself. <laughs>